Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the I Hear Design podcast. This is Robert Yaminen, Editor-at-Large of Interiors and Sources, and I'm so glad you tuned in to today's broadcast because we're going to be talking about a topic I think is really important for the design community to hear and be keenly aware of, and more specifically, I'm referring to the problem of knockoffs and intellectual property theft. You know, we've all heard the expression that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but let's be honest, it's also a blatant form of theft. Stealing someone else's design concepts, product design, or photography is a serious issue that results in some real financial damages. And while this idea of intellectual property theft isn't new by any stretch of the imagination, digital tools and unregulated foreign markets have made it a whole lot easier for people to traffic in counterfeits, even for those who are unaware of the fact that they're participating in piracy. So the thoughts behind today's broadcast is really rooted in the idea that knowledge is power, and we want to equip all of our listeners with the information you need to make more informed specifying decisions as it relates to authentic design. So to help provide uh, some deeper insights into this critical topic and to explain why it's so important to specify authentic designs and products, I've invited John Edelman, president of Be Original Americas and chairman of the board of Design Within Reach to join us. John, thanks so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, to those um, of you who may not be familiar with the Original Americas, it is a leading nonprofit committed to informing, educating, and influencing manufacturers, design professionals, and consumers alike uh, on the economic, ethical, and environmental value of authentic design. So, John, to start off our conversation here, for our listeners who may not be aware of how significant the problem of knockoff and intellectual property really is, can you talk a little bit about the scope of the issue? I mean, how big is it really, and what, what impact does it have on the industry and the economy as a whole? Wow, it's a big question. You know, it's, it's a, it's a billion-dollar-plus industry, uh, and it has different levels of impact on different levels of business. Mm-hmm. So sometimes uh, there's a small company, there's a great company out of France called Tolix. They make the classic metal cafe chair. Mm-hmm. Imagine the U.S. market for knockoffs is 10 times the size of their whole U.S. business. Wow. Uh, and you know, they don't really have a way of, as a, a small French company to, to, to um, police the U.S. market. Um, so for a company like that, it can put them out of business. Right. Uh, and there's, there's different sides of it. You know, it, it's, it's, it's the size and also the distribution. So you have mass retailers in America that have incredible facades and amazing mansion-like atmospheres, and they're selling knockoffs. And, you know, the, the problem with that area is the consumer doesn't know it's a knockoff. Um, mm-hmm. so the problem is huge, and it's very, very hard to regulate. Um, and, you know, it hurts every aspect of the market. It's, it's a bit brutal out there at the moment. Yeah, that's really significant. And to your point, you know, I read somewhere that the International Chamber of Commerce estimated that the global trade of counterfeited and pirated goods costs the global economy about $700 billion every year and around, you know, upwards of $29 billion here in the U.S. So that's not chump change we're talking about, is it? Yeah, I think that also includes, you know, walking down the street and seeing a, a fake Louis Vuitton bag or a, or a knockoff right. Alex, right? Right. Very hard. At least when you buy a, a Louis Vuitton bag off the, off the street, you're 100% mm-hmm. certain it's fake. It's that ambiguous area in the middle that upsets me the most um, when people are kind of deceived into right. buying something they think is original and it's really a knockoff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, and that, that big picture impact is pretty clear. But as you said, as you get into the smaller scale, um, you know, like the business in France there, uh, it can really have significant impact. How do you see knockoffs harming product designers and other creatives specifically? How does it impact their business? Yeah, well, you know, I talk about this a lot. And, you know, it's really, really a one in a million shot that you can develop a product that people want. It's really hard. So, for mm-hmm. let's say you're trying to design a chair. You probably have to design 10 chairs to get one that is uh, that people fall in love with. And then of the one, there's a one in a million shot that becomes iconic, right? So, right? so it's really hard to get something, design something, get a sample, get it to production, and produce something that people desire. Now, that costs a lot of money. Like it may take mm-hmm. you years to get that one product. And you have to have faith that investing those years gives you the future royalties or sales of the product. So when the knockoffs come and you lose those royalties, you lose those dollars, it kills the future of design. You can't afford uh, to do what you do best. You can't afford to design the next product because you didn't make any money from the last one. Mm -hmm. And it's that long-term effect that's hard to measure, but it slowly kills the future of authentic design. That's why I have to be so vigilant. Um, yeah. It has a huge impact on designers. It's like if you're the one guy that can throw a touchdown pass and, and, and you're, you know, you're Steve Young uh, of the 49ers and you're an amazing quarterback, imagine if you could go to China and buy like a, 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 a couple of clones of Steve Young. Mm-hmm. Right? Then all those years of driving to practice, making it through high school, making it through college, it would, would be for naught. Right. Um, that's a, an interesting way to look at the problem of, uh, of of thinking of designers as superstars or as people that we have to support, right? If you could, it, right. you can't just clone them, and they have to yeah. have some kind of income, right, to to, to, to go through the, the uh, downtimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned vigilance earlier. So as I was doing some research for today's broadcast, I learned that. The Department of Homeland Security, you know, identified China and Hong Kong as being a couple of the biggest offenders that are responsible for, I think they said about 78%, 80% of the seized counterfeit goods coming into the U.S. Um, just in 2017. Does it, what does that mean for designers? I mean, do they need to steer clear of products and furniture coming from those countries, or do they just need to exercise more caution when purchasing from these countries? Like, what, what are some things that, yeah, that they need to keep in mind? I think for the listeners, to demonize... Um, uh, a country or an entire culture is completely unfair. Sure. They wouldn't be doing it if someone here wasn't willing to distribute uh, the product. They're, the people, I think a lot of the knockoffs start off in the U.S. for, for a, a, a person that's lazy and doesn't create the next modern design on their own or, or mm-hmm. authentic design. So if they go to China, they find a factory to make it, and then they distribute it in the U.S., I don't right. blame the Chinese. I don't blame the Hong Kong Eve people, but I think it's really, it falls upon the shady Americans, in this case, because we're in the United States, who distribute, mm-hmm. falsely advertise, and market these products. And you can go to these websites. You can't blame the Chinese for a mm-hmm. U.S.-based website that sells knockoffs. You can't blame the Chinese for a U.S.-based retailer that sees the consumer and sells knockoffs. I, yeah. I don't believe that's great product. I mean, I know there's great product coming out of China. Yeah. It's authentic and beautiful and well done. But to have a, like a, 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 a remote Chinese factory understand that what they're making uh, is a knockoff, is very difficult to put on them. I, I put it all on the distributors. Mm. 
in my opinion. Yeah. I do think you have to the, – the customs, Border Patrol and Customs have to catch them at the, at the border, and, yes, they come from those countries. But it's the people that are importing them, <laughs> in mm-hmm. my opinion, yeah. that should be penalized. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's such a good point because – can't penalize the suppliers. It's really the demand side. If there were no demand, you know, the supply would, would dissipate too, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's why great. I originally, yeah, we, we, we work so hard to educate, right? We don't, edu- right. we don't educate, don't buy Chinese products. We educate, don't buy mm-hmm. knockoffs. You know, and, and, right. and uh, I, mean, I know we're going to get to that, but when you have a member of the, of the original Americas like Gensler and some other amazing design firms, and they've made a, a pledge to not buy knockoffs, that's the mm-hmm. first thing. That's the first huge step to eradicate yeah. uh, the production. Because if you hurt the demand, supply can't afford it, right? All of a sudden, they won't be so cheap. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get back to that part of the conversation a little bit later. But if we could just shift gears for a little bit here. I mean, we've obviously talked about what a major problem knockoffs are in, in the industry. But I also want to touch, touch a little bit on the role of technology, specifically social media, and what you know how that plays a role in the process, because it can be a bit of a double-edged sword, right? I mean, it's one of the most powerful marketing tools out there in terms of gaining exposure for creatives that want to you know self-promote their ideas and, and products. Um, but with platforms like Instagram and Pinterest, for example, that give millions of people access to shared photos and concepts, it can be pretty easy for someone to, quote, unquote, borrow someone else's idea and run with it. So, John, you know, it's kind of a two-sided question here I have for you. What role do you see social media playing in both the propagation of IP theft as well as being a solution to that, like as far as being a marketing tool that, that designers can use to, to get their product out there? Yeah. Let's go back 20 years, okay? And mm-hmm. we'll say interior, uh, the best uh, architectural digest. And I'm, I'm a, a company. I just launched a new product. I'm going to put a full-page ad in architectural digest. I'm going to launch this product with my brand and tell people who I am. Mm-hmm. You could have made the same argument then that by promoting your product in Architectural Digest, you allow the world to see it and, and be knocked off. And that would be a flaw argument. But you want to use every tool at your disposal to put the images of your product out there. Never hold back, but you want to have some kind of branding at all times to show what's original. Mm-hmm. And I think the concept of Pinterest and and all these other websites that educate the consumer on design and let them have an aesthetic of their own and curate design to their liking, I think it's the best thing that's ever happened for these designers. I think they have a a requirement to be a part of it. It is marketing today, and in many cases, it's more affordable for a young designer to market that way than ever before. Mm -hmm. Sure. And you you can trend and have no money. Whereas years ago, you had to be able to afford to pay to market. Now, I know there's the million subtleties like I just said, and you do goose the, the, the post and things like that. But in general, it's the best time ever to be a designer and get your images out there because you can do it on a shoestring. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's, to me, it's only a positive. Right, right. Yeah, and you mentioned branding to make sure um, that, that they protect their, their ideas. Are there other things they can do to, while they're promoting via social media to make sure their, their designs are protected? Yeah, you always have to register your designs with the government, do all the, the trademarking and all those kinds of things up front. And I think they're pretty savvy these days to doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't stop the knockoffs. That, that makes it legal, right? But you want to you create the desire to have your product. Yeah, and I think you do that and have it the original. I think you do that through, this, through the social media. Um, you know, I don't think 
these, these young brands, you look at these young sneaker brands and this and that that are doing these collaborations, it's almost all social media. And they're easy to knock off, but people don't want that. They want the original. You have to create that desire. That's always in business, the responsibility of the, of the, uh, of the seller and the, and the corporation in the designer as well, is to create that desire for yours. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that the original we educate about is if you buy the original, you invest in design. You have something that's of great value for a long period of time on the secondary market. If you buy the knockoff, you're basically buying something that's a landfill um, you know, pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, on the flip side, I know a lot of young design professionals are, are going to some of these websites like Pinterest and it's Instagram looking for inspiration. Um, how can they steer clear of some of the ethical hangups that, that present themselves online where, you know, like how do you draw the line between inspiration and theft? Like, like where is that fine line between looking at someone else's design and then running with it? I mean, I think social media, like in, Every you know, but saying, I'll, I'll equate it to looking through a magazine 20 years ago. It's mm-hmm. inspiration, and inspiration is you know it's, it's about a trend or people are doing this or that. If you look at the the, the Philip Stark uh, Masters Chair for Cartel, okay, so they, they they write in the description. Philip Stark was was uh, inspired by classic phony designs, and then he, with that inspiration in mind, he created this chair. And if you look at it, you can see some of the inspiration garnered from Sone, but it's certainly a Philip Stark chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think inspiration is so important, whether you get it from looking at a sunset or looking at social media or shopping uh, at the flea markets in Paris. But it's, it's always your interpretation of something that, that, that makes it yours. So, so I think you have to look for inspiration everywhere. You have to be uh, vigilant in knowing what's in the marketplace. But mm-hmm. I think when you're designing something, you know. Did you copy or were you inspired? Right. And if you can't tell the difference in the product, that's called a copy. And I think anybody who hides behind the concept that, oh, I saw it or I was inspired, and I did, it's, 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 a, it's a false narrative. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I wanted to get back to, um, you know, obviously we've established, you know, the issue here and the ongoing need for uh, people to to be aware and get involved in uh, battling alcohol. John, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about the mission of Be Original America specifically and what it's doing in the fight against knockoffs and, and supporting original design? Yeah. So the original mission, honestly, is to educate, educate, educate the world about the detrimental result of buying knockoffs. And we educate how, in my opinion, it, it kills the future of design. And by educating and getting de- um, design firms to join, we're going to change the conversation. So if design firms don't specify knockoffs, and then the Pinterest images don't show knockoffs but show originals, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a huge step. If people think twice, and, and we're in a huge... Uh, uh, green push uh, in in our world today. We're in a huge environmentally correct push. If we teach that buying original lasts forever and buying knockoffs, like I said before, go to a landfill, then there's a huge reason to buy buy original. We're traveling the country. Uh, Beth Dixine has been tireless. I think she did uh, four different talks in four different weeks across the country from L.A., San Francisco, Dallas, Um, lecturing to design firms and getting them to join and vowing to buy original. 
And there's no downside to that, which is interesting. We're in a nonprofit organization fighting for the rights of designers and for classic design, um, and there's no downside. It's only good. We don't hurt anyone. We're saving people. And we're in a fight, in my opinion, to save the future of design. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need corporations to help with design. They need to manufacture it. They need to distribute it. They need to market it. If corporations can't make money, we are still in a capitalist society. They're not going to do it. So hopefully we're helping uh, protect the, 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 the commerce value of these products and, and help them go to the next future and babysit the, the next generation of design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and speaking of that, um, you know, how can how can designers get involved and, and our listeners uh, to support the cause? You know, is, are there resources that they can go to as far as Be Original America to learn more? Um, you know, what, what, yeah, what can they be thinking the about? Yeah, BeOriginal.com and join and go to our talks, go to our lectures and spread the message because it's going to be from the design community. I, I didn't mention also that with Be Original America, we're educating U.S. customs agents to spot knockoffs, right? In addition to yeah, yeah. the designers. But, I mean, join, believe, specify, specify uh, authentic design, and then spread the word. When you're the, uh, one of your clients and you're, you're specifying a serenade table for their kitchen, and the, and the client says, oh, I can buy it from somebody else for half the price, you have to, to stop for a second and educate the client. But you can't mm-hmm. force the client to do anything. But you can explain the long-term value of making the right decision up front. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I couldn't agree more. I appreciate that, John. And I know our listeners will appreciate it as well and hopefully take this to heart. And, um, yeah, and I also just want to thank uh, you as well for the work that you're doing with Be Original America to protect and promote authentic designs. I mean, it really is such a crucial topic. And by valuing, you know, original designs, as you said, the entire industry benefits from it. So, yeah, thank you again so much, John. Thank you for having the courage to cover the topic and to help us get the word out there. And we really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, something that we believe in here at Interiors and Sources as well. So, um, yeah, thanks so much again. All right. Well, that's yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Um, to our listeners, I just want you all to be aware that we'll be skipping our regularly scheduled podcast next week uh, with the holidays in full swing. But I hope you'll join us again in the last week of December, uh, where I'll be talking about the importance of mentorship and how both younger and seasoned design professionals can benefit from it. So, thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Happy holidays and be well. Thank you.